Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. What does race have to do with discipleship? How is it that getting to know Jesus better is to go deeper with him in our racial challenges? Have you heard of racial discipleship? This is the story of Michelle Sanchez, as she shares from her heart, what emerges is that her focus is about your story. Let's open our hearts as she invites us on the journey of racial discipleship. We pause here as we typically do at the beginning of our program to remind you The reason we have the Good Life Show is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope, hope that has touched the heart and life of Michelle Sanchez. Michelle T. Sanchez serves as executive minister of Make and Deepen Disciples for the Evangelical Covenant Church. She completed seminary degrees at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, spiritual direction training at Boston College, and field studies on the life and times of Jesus at Jerusalem University College. Michelle is the author of three books with Waterbrook, Color Courageous Discipleship, Color Courageous Discipleship Student Edition, and the picture book, God's Beloved Community, all in 2022. She and her husband, Mickey, live with their children in the Chicago area. Michelle, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here, Danny. Congratulations on three books at once. I I know. Why don't you start with a bang, right? Why why write just one book when you could write three? Oh, you've got you must have a great team of support. <laughs> but a great team of support, they don't just voluntarily do it. There's something about the leader who's leading. So, uh thank you for the great work that you've done and this is something to the many many will be touched by and we've got a lot to look forward to. Michelle, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York. Now, I like to clarify that I was born in New York City in the South Bronx. And then later, through a special home purchase program, my parents were able to move out to Long Island. And so this was a big difference for us because at first, you know, I was born into a predominantly black community with low resources. Um, But through a a special program, my parents were able to move into a really well-resourced community on Long Island, uh, which so happened to be a predominantly white community. And that has really uh, shaped so much of my life. 
um, which I'm sure we'll get into in this conversation. Who would you say influenced you most in your growing up years? Oh, this is such a hard question. Um, you know, I, I want to name a couple of people. My mother was the one that really raised me in the faith and my brothers. My father did not come to faith until much later. Uh, but my mother was really faithful throughout all of my childhood years, pointing to Christ, taking us to church, uh, even when we might complain. And, um, you know, I'm, I know the Lord today because of her. I also think about my youth pastor. And, um, you know, one of the books that I wrote is targeted toward uh, young people, teenagers, youth, because I know what an incredible time of life that is and the important decisions you're making. So I had a youth pastor. We called him PJ, Pastor John, and he really expected great things from us. Sometimes I think we ex- we don't expect much from our young people. And as a result, you know, they, they probably don't deliver it. Um, but he was constantly challenging us in our youth group and really pressed us to achieve great things for God. And I look back to that time in that youth group as some of the most shaping of my life to really uh, step out and take risks to grow the kingdom of God. So I'm grateful for PJ, and I actually uh, dedicated the student edition of my book to him. Your mother, what, your mother's name? Myra. Myra. Is Myra, is your mother still alive? She is. Thank the good Lord. <laughs> wow. She must be so proud of you, Michelle. Oh, I mean, you know, the, the, the scripture that says, let us not become weary in doing good for we will reap a harvest if we do not give up Galatians 6, 9. And I certainly think about that when I think about my mom and her faithfulness over all the years of raising her children. I dedicated my adult edition to my mom and to my dad. Your father's name? Glenn. Myra and Glenn. Your Christian growth. PJ, Pastor John, had a big influence on on you in those formative years. Are there markings, markers of moments that you felt were especially notable in your spiritual formation? Oh, wow, of course. Okay, so we're focusing on uh, growing up years right now. Is that right? Yes. Go beyond that, too. Okay. Well, um, yeah, you know, I, I would... I would say one of, as a young person, one of the most important steps I took in high school was to say yes to the challenge given by PJ, Pastor John, to start a group on campus to pray every day. Uh, I'm talking about my high school campus, uh, to pray daily with a group of other Christians from various churches and to reach out to our friends with the gospel. Um, And I, I mean, in some ways, you know, high school is a time where you just, you want to fit in, right? And you, you kind of want to hide and, and not stand out for, for reasons that may get you in trouble with others. But he really, really challenged us to take risks. And so a good friend and I, we started this group, we reached out to people and we saw God work. And, um, you know, I, it, <laughs> there were definitely bumps as well, but 
the decision to step out in faith um, was one that I would continue to take throughout my life in various ways. I would also think about uh, my college years. I, up until uh, college, I, I was raised in the faith. I did know the Lord, but I still was relying quite a bit on, you know, doing for God, working for God, laboring for God, um, and really a kind of perfectionism, you know. And uh, it was really in college where I was going to a wonderful church that really taught the grace of God. And so that was another um, pivotal moment where I really kind of fell in love with God in a different way, understanding that God's love covers all sin and that God is the most beautiful uh, thing that we could ever, you know, base our lives on or, or pursue. Stepping out in faith and understanding and living out more deeply the experience of grace of God. When did you meet Mickey? So Mickey and I met while we were at NYU, and um, we both went there for undergraduate years. Um, So we met sophomore year in the crew uh, chapter on campus, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, Both Mickey and I have always been very passionate about reaching people for Jesus. And um, it was a small group at the time, but, you know, it was small but mighty. And that's where we became friends and and really got to know each other sort of in the context of doing mission together. And 21 years later, we're still going. Small but mighty. That crew group. (laughs) Michelle, where were you on 9-11? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, so um, my story is also greatly impacted by 9-11. So when I was in college, my goal, I I feel like I just need to back up here a little bit. (laughs) Let me give you some context. My goal in college was to study business and to make lots of money when I graduated. This was the goal. This was everything. Now, why was it the goal? Why was this something I wanted so badly? Um, You know, I mentioned that I grew up as a black girl in a mostly white area, and it led to a lot of challenges. Okay. I, first of all, when, um, interacting with the white community. Obviously, I'm, I'm not white. I'm actually African-American. My last name is Sanchez, but I am black, African-American. Um, and obviously, I'm not white, couldn't fit in there. And I also didn't have the kind of resources that many around me did. So I always felt like I didn't have enough. And um, But then also, I wasn't fully accepted by the black community because I was doing well in school. Um, I, I was p- mostly in kind of the advanced with white kids and talking like them, you know, and acting like them. So I, I really um, experienced some bullying and some really difficult challenges growing up. And at the end of the day, I said, I got to get out of here. And I think the way to do that is to make money and um, to have what others have and to succeed in the world. Now, I also believed in Jesus. Okay. It, it was kind of both. Um, I, I was kind of struggling, if you will, between two priorities, two gods, um, succeeding in the world with wealth um, and following Jesus. And, and so um, at NYU, I studied business and I graduated 
in 2000, obviously the year of 9-11, and I um, got a plum job working at Goldman Sachs, which is a very prestigious investment bank. And I could hardly believe it. You know, my, my dreams were coming true. But my second day uh, at work, Danny, my second day at work was 9-11. And I absolutely drew everything that happened that day. Um, and it became one of the transforming moments of my life and part of my call to ministry. That was a powerful, well, just a powerful despair. But you write about it with such vividness. Yes. When you talk about going over the the Brooklyn Bridge, first with your heels and then taking off, and you know, the white ash around you and the 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 disillusionment that you felt of how you know is 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 plane number three or plane number four going to come and maybe yes. even hit the bridge and we're all going to end up. I mean, just your reflections just pulls us in as a the message and the teaching of racial discipleship. Michelle, we've got to come back to this. We're, we're here. We've got this time, but let's certainly make the most of it. Thank you for being with us, Michelle Sanchez. And dear listener, thank you for spending this time with us. You will come out of this program, this radio show, this podcast, transformed. I really do believe it. When we come back from our break, more messages. As she said, after studying International business at NYU, New York University. Michelle worked as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. When we come back, she'll share what happened in the moment that moved her the way where she is today. It involves ministry, students, crew, and more. Michelle Sanchez, MichelleTSanchez.com. Stay with us. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divinity Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Dr. Ed Stetzer writes the forward to Michelle Sanchez's book, Color, Color Courageous Discipleship. Dr. Stetzer writes, Michelle Sanchez paves that more excellent way for followers of Jesus to be discipled out of racial prejudices. 
which is precisely what we need. Michelle also gives guidance on spiritual practice. She goes in depth there. You can find out more about her, the books, her three books all came out in 2022 at com. They're available at Amazon and book distributors everywhere. Again, com. So, Michelle, before our break, we were talking about your second day at work and what took place after that. Take us back. What went on in your mind, in your heart, in the process? Oh, yeah. Well, Danny, let me start by saying that prior to my first day at work, I did training, and my training was all summer at the World Trade Center on the top floor. So if the plane, the planes had crashed in August 2001, I would not be here today. This is how close I came to uh, perishing on that day and in that season of my life. Um, So uh, September comes, and it's my second day at work, and of course, uh, we hear that there's a plane that's crashed, uh, but with the first one, we're thinking, oh, it's an accident. But of course, with the second, we're knowing that it's terrorism and people are panicking. Um, it was really an extraordinary experience to kind of see how people react when they're face to face with death. Um, well, thankfully, we were not in the World Trade Center. That was my training, but we were in a different building, um, still in the vicinity, but a different building in September. And so after some time, uh, we were all urged to, to leave. And, of course, the city was completely shut down. Um, and, you know, this is New York, it's a city that never sleeps. There's always lots going on, but I'll never forget how quiet it was. And everything covered with a white ash and a terrible toxic kind of metallic smell. And we all had to walk. You know, of course, there's no trains or anything operating um, we're all walking kind of in, in utter silence. I had to walk home um, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, which is where I was living, and made my way across the Brooklyn Bridge. The city is like in flames behind me. And yeah, I remember just in my heart and soul thinking a couple things. First, okay, I don't know if there's another plane coming. I don't know um, if this air I'm breathing is completely toxic. There's something in it that no, I'm not going to live for much longer. I don't know any of these things. If I had to meet the Lord right now, I would be ready. There, There is definitely a dimension that I knew, the blood of Jesus that covered me, and I'm ready to meet God. At the same time, there was another dimension of me that felt like I wasn't ready. It's just, It just hit me like lightning, you know, coming so close to death like that. Like, I am not really doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life right now. Um, And, you know, largely because of not having when I grew up, because of bullying, because of various forms of racism, um, I just poured myself into wanting to gain worldly success and wanting to make money. And that's why I was there um, at the bank. I didn't even really like the work. (laughs) And, um, you know, the Lord made it clear to me that um, he had something else for me. Now, it wasn't clear exactly what that was, 
Um, and, you know, at this point, I also want to say, make a few points clear. One, um, banking is a godly profession for many people. So let's get that clear. Um, I met lots of wonderful Christian people um, in my time on Wall Street. It was a, a beautiful time for that. Um, but I also could could tell that many of them did feel that they were called to that work, that they loved the work, um, and that God had a purpose for them in that. But I could honestly, you know, say, looking inside, no, this this is a wrong fit. I'm not really here for the right reasons. And so God began to stir that in me that day. Now, I had just signed a two-year contract, and um, as it turned out, I decided to go ahead and fulfill that contract. But that day really started um, a new journey in me, a journey of kind of revisiting, what am I doing with my life? Um, what is the Lord calling me to? Is this uh, the kind of investment that he wants me to make, basically uh, an investment of money, or is there some other kind of investment spiritually that God has for me? And so commenced a journey. A reframing of the discipleship process that you were in. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus gives us an invitation, gives an invitation to his disciples. Yeah. There are elements of discipleship that you talk about in Color Courageous Discipleship. Michelle, how are Color Courageous Disciples to be, as you put it, reconciled reconcilers in the face of systemic racism? Well, (laughs) for that, I suppose you'll have to read the book. But (laughs) let me say a couple things. So. Um, speeding up, you know, after my time at, at Goldman Sachs, I felt called by God, um, to go into ministry. And really, uh, that ministry was the ministry of reconciliation. It started sort of in the dimension of reconciliation with God. And I went back to crew, joined crew, um, launched a new ministry and led many to Jesus. That is the dimension, kind of the vertical dimension, reconciliation with God. Over time, though, God really helped me to see, well, God is not only interested in reconciliation with him, but he's interested that we might be reconcilers with one another, that we might, in Christ, um, bring together people that have been divided for one reason or another. And we certainly know that one of those ongoing causes of division in our world is race. And so I think the first step um, to becoming a color courageous disciple is to understand that we don't just need one kind of reconciliation in this world, right? Um, we We don't just need to be reconciled with God. That's where it all begins. And to me, it is still the most foundational. Of course, you know, without God, we're nothing. Without the Lord Jesus, um, you know, we, we have power to do nothing. But once we are following Jesus, we also are to um, join him in his kingdom reconciliation work, which is holistic, which is beautiful. You know, when, when Jesus was here, he called people to the Lord and he also brought healing um, and he lifted up the marginalized and the hurting. And he did justice. These are all Jesus things, right? And so over time, the Lord has given me insight into the need um, 
to engage in holistic reconciliation with God and with one another. That's what it means to truly live out the good news of Jesus. If we were to take that and take a few steps back, you do make a statement in the book. And in essence, you're explaining or saying, stating, that we have each been racially discipled. It's like a past tense. In what ways have each of us been racially discipled? Oh, wow. So, yeah, this is, this is an insight um, that I've come to over time, I believe, that we can also find in the scriptures. When we think about our world today, we are not blank slates when it comes to many things, including race. Every day, we are all kind of, um, you know, consuming media. We are conditioned by the families we're raised in or by the culture of our time. And so there is a whole lot that is discipling us, forming us, shaping us, that is not necessarily of Jesus, right? And, and this is part of why I believe the scriptures do not only call us to believe, but to repent and believe. Now, there's a big difference there. Not only to believe, but to repent and believe. What does that mean? It means that our Lord Jesus, when he looks at us, he understands that there's some things that we have to let go of to take off before we can put on Christ, before we can move forward. We have to let go of certain ways that we've been raised to think or culturally conditioned to to behave. We have to identify those things and take them off so that we can pursue the ways of Jesus. And I do believe that race is definitely one of those areas where we tend not to hear very much in church about it, but we are culturally conditioned in a whole lot of other ways, essentially discipled um, about what race means and what its significance is. Um, and so, yeah, we have to sort of engage in a counterformation um, as disciples so that we can truly reflect Jesus when it comes to race. So is color courageous discipleship a, a kind of racial re-discipleship that you're yes. talking about here? That is the word that I use. We yes. need to be re-discipled, not just discipled, but re-discipled. re-discipled. There's already ways that we are conditioned um, to behave and to believe when it comes to race that are not of Jesus. So we got to get rid of that and then be re-discipled. Yes. Racial re-discipleship. Michelle Sanchez here is uh, talking about her new book, Color Courageous Discipleship. It's a, one of three, Color Courageous Discipleship, the student edition, and God's beloved community. When we come back, more from her. What does she mean by centering racial discipleship on Jesus Christ? Get that now. I mean, we're, we're, we're going deeper and deeper into Christ and this transformational process of color courageous discipleship. Well, we're learning from Michelle Sanchez herself. As the Spirit has led her, you can find out more at michelletsanchez.com. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky, 
leave it to me. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Color courageous discipleship, follow Jesus, dismantle racism, and build beloved community. Written by Michelle T. Sanchez. She joins us today. She also served with the Institute for Bible Reading as well as the Lausanne Movement, which exists to connect influencers and ideas for global missions. She is a frequent conference speaker and columnist with Outreach Magazine, and she says that biblically there's a difference between race and ethnicity. She joins us today. Find out more at michelletsanchez.com. Michelle, what do you mean? by centering racial discipleship on Jesus Christ. So for me, the larger call that we have as disciples is to center every single part of our lives on Jesus. And I just so happened to read a book about race, and we'll talk more about that. But truly, the kingdom call for disciples is to recognize Jesus is king of every area of our lives. And there are some parts of our lives where we may more clearly be able to explain what that means than in others. And I think part of our challenge today in this generation uh, for disciples is that we can't always clearly articulate what it means to center Jesus uh, in our approach to race. So uh, in order to figure out what that means, we've got to go back to the word of God. And, um, you know, there's a couple of things that stand out to me when I look at Jesus. Uh, The first is that Jesus loved diversity. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Okay. Um, Think about how, for example, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go out into all the nations and make disciples, right? Make disciples of all peoples. And that word, make disciples of all nations, that word is ethne, ethne. It's from where we get the word ethnicity. So an even better translation might be, go and make the disciples of all the different ethnic groups everywhere. Okay. Jesus loves our diversity because God loves our diversity. God has always delighted in ethnic diversity. 
as a means of bringing glory to himself and enrichment to his kingdom. So we see that, that Jesus sees our ethnic differences. He loves our ethnic differences, and he wants all peoples and ethnicities to be brought to him. So in this way, Jesus is not colorblind. He's color courageous. Second, uh, what we see when we look at Jesus, though, is not just this love of diversity, but a call to justice and to raising up the marginalized. Jesus's teachings and stories, if you really listen carefully, are not colorblind either. They're actually very colorful, and they involve a lot of different kinds of people. So, for example, in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus lifts up a a racially despised uh, outcast um, as the hero of the story, which is amazing um, in that time and place, right? And it's actually the majority uh, Jewish culture that he kind of puts in second place in that story. Or in other cases, we see, um, you know, one thing that's kind of funny to recognize, Jesus actually never commends his own disciples for having great faith. He never commends his own disciples for having great faith. In fact, he rebukes them for having little faith. Who does he commend? They're ethnic outsiders. So he commends a Syrophoenician or Canaanite woman. Again, this ethnic outsider for her great faith. And a Roman centurion, right? So, so we see how Jesus is constantly seeking to make connections with those who are ethnically or racially marginalized in some way um, to call attention to how this is not God's will for us um, and to really dismantle every form of, of racial oppression that might exist in our world. As we take that that reflection and think about today, you write about awakening to our moment. Say more about that. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I believe that every generation needs to awaken to its moment. What are the particular challenges that we face in our time, right? I mean, there's a reason why you and I are alive in 2023, followed following Jesus. And there's particular things that he wants us to do in our time. And so we've got to open our eyes and see, you know, the scriptures talk about the, the men of Issachar who understood their times and knew what Israel should do. And so we want to be the same. There's many, many different applications for this in our moment, but yes, one of them does relate to race. I was astonished when I read in the New York Times that the racial protests that we experienced in 2020 were even more numerous, were larger than the racial protests of the 60s. Can you believe that? When I think yeah. about the racial protests of the 60s, I'm thinking they're pretty large. That's right. But That's actually, right. yeah, in 2020, the number of people, the people that came out in the millions of every mm-hmm. racial background far surpassed anything that we saw in the 60s. And so we, we do need to acknowledge, wow, we, we are in a moment. We have made plenty of progress, absolutely, plenty of progress in the civil rights era. 
for example, there are very few racist laws, or I should say blatantly racially unjust laws anymore. We don't have Jim Crow anymore. Um, But yet we're still experiencing lots of inequity and um, various forms of, of racial injustice. And so what's going on? I believe that God is calling us to understand our times as believers so that we can engage. When I think about the 60s, Danny, um, and 70s, I, I think with much gratitude at how it was people of God who really led the way in so much of the progress that we made. They understood their times, and they called people to, um, to respond so that we could develop a beloved community, as Martin Luther called it. And I would love to see the same thing happen in our time. Our times have changed. Our challenges have changed. But the work of the disciples, uh, of us, to uh, continue to build beloved community, to advance the kingdom, to bring racial justice as much as we can, that work still remains. You mentioned community just now. You're speaking about equity. Michelle yeah. Sanchez, how do you define biblical equity and how important is community? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yes. Biblical equity. Um, so one of the things that I think is helpful is, first of all, just to understand that, yes, I think that most of us today equality and experience equality in the sense that we're all created in the image of God. These days, we all have you know, equal rights under the law. And so that is not, you know, in question. Equality really isn't in question. What is in question is equity. And what's what's the difference? Equity means, well, let's take a look at how people in our city are faring. How, how are different racial groups doing? Um, are our institutions, our policies and our programs serving everyone equally well? Um, What are the outcomes that we're experiencing? And when we look at our society from those measures, we'll see that for whatever reasons, there still is a huge difference um, in people's experiences in our country, the color of your skin. And I, for example, uh, one very obvious example would be education. Education. So we no longer have a segregated school system, of course. And yet, our schools are very much still segregated um, by race. And as it turns out, um, recently a measurement was taken that schools that are predominantly white receive $3 billion more than schools that are predominantly minority in our country. $23 billion more. And hopefully it goes without saying that that kind of difference in what we invest in our children by race is resulting in a racial inequality in the quality of education that they receive and in how they fare afterward in in their lives, right? So there's something about our, our educational system, again, just one example, that is still producing um, racial inequality. What can we do about that, right? This is something that I believe disciples should care about, and I believe that our God cares about. And how is that to, how, how is community 
to make a difference in that. And, and education is just one area. Just there, are, one. there are many other areas that you you explain with clarity and graphics. How important is community? All right. So one of my favorite uh, phrases of all time is the phrase, beloved community by Martin Luther King. So I want to talk a little bit about beloved community. And, and that is in the that's in the title of all three of the books. It's in the subtitle for Color Courageous Discipleship, Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. Many people would think, okay, well, Martin Luther King had a dream, right? But what was that dream? What was the dream? Um, some people will think, well, it was, it was equality. It was equal rights. It was justice, um, civil rights, you know, and, and they'll name these things. But Martin Luther King... Uh, he actually identified increasingly toward the end of his life that his goal was beloved community. This is one of his quotes. I do not think of political power as an end. Neither do I think of economic power as an end. They are ingredients in the objective that we seek in life. And that objective is a truly brotherly society, the creation of the beloved community. So what is the beloved community? You know, we are followers of Jesus and Jesus said that the greatest command is love. It is love of God, and it is love of neighbor, especially neighbors that are not like us. This is, this is the epitome of what it means to follow Christ. And Jesus calls us to do love in community, to sacrifice for one another, to care about one another, especially those who are marginalized, right? So we have to learn to think more in terms of community than in terms of individuals. We're used to thinking about everything in discipleship, like individuals, right? My individual Bible reading, my individual prayer, my individual quiet time, my individual acts of service. But actually, the scriptures talk a lot more about community, that as community, are we caring about others in the community together? that need our help, that need to be uplifted, um, that may be marginalized as a community. What does it look like to do that together? Or if, to think about all the groups that you may be a part of, including your racial or ethnic group. What can you do to support other racial or ethnic groups that may not be faring as well in our society? These are questions of love, Danny. <laughs> These are questions of love, and they are questions of beloved community. We are being challenged today by Michelle Sanchez, she is the author of the book Color Courageous Discipleship. And these are challenges indeed. What are we going to do about them? Uh, this book, this series of three books, a children's book, a children's picture book, uh, a book for teens with a, a lot more humor and a lot more stories. I mean, even even the book that, that I read, there's a lot of stories and it just draws you and pulls you right in, but compelling questions. And we'll come back, we'll talk about some things related to trauma, healing of trauma. How does that relate with Color Courageous Discipleship? And there's a word I'll mention, I'll let Michelle talk about it, Sankofa. We'll talk about that when we come back. By the way, how are we to unearth unconscious or implicit biases? Michelle Sanchez talks about something called a wardrobe change. You can get that 
In the book, Color Courageous Discipleship, MichelleTSanchez.com. Stay with us. What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here. Rebecca Manley Pippert wrote in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously, getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Michelle Sanchez serves as Executive Minister of Make and Deepen Disciples for the Evangelical Covenant Church. It's a vibrant multi-ethnic denomination of more than 900 congregations throughout North America. She joins us today to speak about her book, Color Courageous Discipleship. Find out more at michelletsanchez.com, amazon.com. Get that book for yourself, for your church, for your small group. Pass it on to others, michelletsanchez.com. Michelle, thank you so much for going in in various ways, in, in various points of depth, or at least scratching the surface of depth in your book. How does healing of trauma relate with color courageous discipleship? Oh, such an important question. And let me say, Danny, that in my first uh, version, my first draft, I didn't have um, anything in the book about healing and, and racial trauma. But as I continued in the work and as I was interviewing many people for this book, I realized, oh, my goodness, this is absolutely central um, to, to the work we have to dismantle racism in our time. So uh, trauma just comes from the Greek word for wound. And racism, in one way or another, has wounded everybody, has wounded everyone. It has wounded people of color, and it has wounded white people as well. And it's done so in different ways. If we hope to move forward, we have to understand that the ways that we've all been wounded um, so that we can receive healing and move forward together. Um, as a person of color, for, for me, it's been really important that I can be transformed by God and healed of my pain so that I can transform the world in God's way. I think there's a lot of people trying to transform the world these days when they're not transformed or healed themselves. 
And when that happens, we just end up spreading more pain to more places. And so I believe healing really is core um, for all people. We have to identify how has racism wounded me and then seek the Lord for healing, for forgiveness if needed, um, for power so that we can move forward. Well, how might forgiveness facilitate being wounded healers in color courageous discipleship? Yes. So it is critical for us to really represent Jesus Christ um, in all that we do, right? So if we are seeking to um, call attention to the evil of racial inequity, but we are doing so in a way that condemns others, that is not the way of Jesus, right? That's not the way of Jesus. Jesus was constantly calling us to to love and to forgive others. He himself, um, you know, suffered for us on the cross. He extended forgiveness to us. Um, and, and largely, that's what we need to do in order to move forward. Perhaps you've heard of you know, South Africa, when apartheid came down, everyone expected the country to go into chaos, um, but it didn't, largely thanks to the leadership of Desmond Tutu, um, an African uh, leader and priest who um, led the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And one of the things he did was inspired both victims um, to uh, come forward, express what had happened to them, um, and to extend forgiveness, and also for victimizers to confess and to apologize and to make restitution and to bring them together again. He said famously, uh, and I agree with him, that there's no future without forgiveness. I I agree with him too. Sankofa pilgrimage. Would you say a bit about that? Yes, Sankofa. It's one of my favorite things. Okay, so... Sankofa is actually um, a word coming to us from Africa, and it roughly means looking back in order to move forward. And it's an image of a bird that is moving in a direction, but simultaneously looking back to gather seeds from the past. And um, the main idea of Sankofa is that If we want to move forward as a people, it's very important for us to understand our past well. And many of us really don't understand our racial past very well. But let's understand it. Let's really learn from the past so that we can move forward together. You know, sometimes people might ask, why do we keep talking about race? Didn't we fix all these problems? And why do we have to keep talking about the past? Well, because it's really, really important. If you go to Germany, for example, if you go to Berlin, um, it seems like on every corner, there's some kind of monument to um, remember the lives that were lost, the Jewish lives that were lost, to remind um, everyone of what happened in the Holocaust and the different lessons that were learned. And we need those kinds of constant reminders so that we can move forward and not repeat those same mistakes. So Sankofa is a concept, uh, but also in my um, community, the Evangelical Covenant denomination, we have a journey, a pilgrimage that people can go on together to visit sites of civil rights significance and to encounter them spiritually so that we can be transformed and transform the world. There's so much to pray about, so much to digest, but so necessary as 
you've presented it to us. And it's like you've laid it out on a, on a beautiful platter, a sumptuous meal, as it were, for us to partake. And as we, we, we take it in, there's the digestion process that has a transformational, potentially transformational influence in our discipleship. As we close today, Michelle, I'd like to ask you to, if you would pray, pray as the Lord leads you for a dear listener who may be wrestling in one form or another about the challenges that have been brought forth through your book and in this conversation. But as you do, a brief word about cruciform discipleship mm. within Color Courageous Discipleship as you pray. Yeah. So cruciform discipleship um, is essentially discipleship in the shape of the cross. As Christ followers, we're called to love like Jesus with agape love, which means that we are called to to not only love others in ways that feel comfortable, but also to suffer and sacrifice for the joy set before us in Christ. And as we do, God's promise to meet our every need. So with that, I am happy to pray that we would become color courageous and cruciform disciples. Please. Lord God, thank you so very much for this conversation today. And for all who are listening in, God, you know that you have brought them to this moment to join this conversation in this time. And there's a reason for it. God, I pray that that you would awaken each one listening. What is it that you have to say to them today? What is it? What is your invitation for them to to begin or to continue in their journey of color courageous discipleship? How can they glorify and honor you in this moment of history? God, I pray that you would awaken us all and help us to carry the cross become more like Christ, and glorify God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Michelle, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Danny. Thanks for having me. Color Courageous, disciple-making words from Michelle Michelle Sanchez, michelletsanchez.com. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, major podcast platforms. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Michelle Sanchez, michelletsanchez.com. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. 
To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.